Welcome to another episode of Unpacking Bexley, a podcast focused on exploring and analyzing the many different aspects of life and culture in the city of Bexley. We do this through interviews, local community members, historians, and other experts as well, covering a wide range of topics that are important to people here in Bexley. For the next few episodes, we'll be breaking from our conventional format, and we will be doing shorter episodes addressing people who are stepping into positions of leadership or offering themselves for positions of leadership to help direct where our city's going and where our schools are going. Specifically, we'll be talking to candidates for city council and candidates for the Board of Education for the city schools. So please join us and learn more about our prospective public servants. In order to be fair and inclusive, we have reached out to each candidate and offered to sit down with them individually or to meet and record with them by Zoom if it was more convenient. However, not every candidate has chosen to take us up on that offer. So we bring you information about the candidates who have. And today we have with us myself, Spencer Cahoon, of course. Stacy Grossman. Kerouac Smith. And our special guest joining us today is candidate for city council. Alex Silverman. Alex Silverman, welcome and thank you for joining us on the Unpacking Bexley podcast. Thanks for having me. So for everyone in Bexley who doesn't know you, and cards on the table, Alex Silverman was my neighbor for like five years before he moved, so I perhaps know Alex better than many folks. Uh, but for the people who do not, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you wanted to run for city council. So first off, I grew up in Berwick, which is the neighborhood directly south of Bexley, bordering Livingston. And like many others, when our children were entering school age, we started the conversation of what neighborhoods do we want to raise our kids in for school. When we started evaluating what we wanted in a neighborhood, Bexley filled in every box. Right. Same here. And what I had told my family who were wondering what made me choose Bexley over staying in Columbus, I said, I feel like with Bexley, we can get involved and make an impact because of the type of community we have. So when I came here, I immediately got into the schools first because my son was in kindergarten. And then over the course of COVID into the Bexley Minority Parent Alliance and Heritage Events, which led to working with the city on the Bexley Celebrations Events Committee. That's what kind of got me working with the political arena, with the mayor, trying to work on new events, new ideas to bring to the city. And when this election came up, we had a conversation with the family and I decided that I was going to run for council. Well, we're glad to have you. So... Obviously, city council does a lot of different things, and a lot of people come in for different reasons, because we've got a lot of families, like you said, with young kids who come here so their kids can go through the school system. Kerouac, your kids went through the Bexley schools too, right? Yes. I still have one in the high school, and I have one that just graduated and uh, dropped off at college two days ago. Congratulations. So 50% completion rate for your family. Yeah, that's, which is pretty good. That is pretty good. I mean, one out of two ain't bad, and that's what I hear. So what speaks to you the most? So if you were to say a couple of these things are the biggest issues that I'd really like to see change on or movement on or where I really think I can move the needle, what for you brings you into that city council space? I think community building is a big part of what I do from a professional standpoint and a community standpoint. Growing up in Columbus and seeing Bexley from the outside in and now seeing Bexley from the inside out, there's a lot of Things that I want to help continue to to build on. I think that the DEI work, the diversity inclusion work that we're doing has had an impact over the past five years since I've actively been involved in it. And I think with the opportunities with One Bexley that's coming out, 
I think the climate's ready to really make some strides to open up our community. And we talk about being an inclusive, welcoming community, but putting actionable items to that. So being able to see those developments, the housing issues, the schools, the community come together to really embrace that change. Um, I want to be a driving factor of that. So you, you had a number of different issues there, and I suppose we could jump on any one of them. Stacy, which would you say speaks to you out of that set if we were to start with one? Wow. Where do you start? I think that the DEI is definitely an important issue. I mean, we as the DEI chairs are here with you today asking you some questions, so it's definitely an important item for us. You said that you're involved in Mont Bexley. What is happening with that right now? So I want to I want to be clear. The BMPA, which I'm part of, has a representative that's directly involved in the planning committee, and that's Kumi Walker. I met with another member, Tim Hopman. I'm not on the planning committee, but I'm involved in the advocacy for one Bexley. So what I can say is my opinions that I've given them, they can share with the planning committee. But one of the big things I want to see is actionable, fundable items. Hmm. So we organized a charity benefit concert coming up called Into the Woods Fest through Hops and Gather. And when I got on board to help with that, I was trying to fund one Bexley through that endeavor. And we found out at the time that there was no fund created to be able to fund one Bexley. So that's something the planning committee is directly working on now. They have an RFP for a person to, to consult and run it. So I think moving it from the, the state that it's at into something that we can actually see tangible things from is a really critical. And I think we can directly get involved in that from the DEI space. City council can be involved in it and we can kind of be a driving factors on what we want to see it become. I've been pretty focused on the housing here in Bexley, the affordable housing, especially. I've been here 16 years now and I've seen all kinds of talk about it and have never seen anything happen aside from people listing reasons why whatever the project is won't work here or isn't a good project. So I guess I, I guess I ask what you think you'll do differently to, to get it moving forward. Well, I will say that the housing project that they have negotiated is in appellate court right now. So a lot of the case, when that gets decided, will have a real idea of what direction to go from there. Right. I'm an advocate for affordable housing. I'm an advocate for the projects that are currently in legal status. I also went to the new development that's going to move into 2200 Main Street, trying to be involved in that to make sure that we are getting the right development. Because I think that we want growth, we want commercial, we want housing. We have to make sure that we find the avenues to have housing for all levels, for all people. You know, we can talk about starter homes becoming starter apartments in Bexley now because of the cost of entry. So I think we got to really reevaluate the type of families that can move into Bexley and what we're offering them as options. There's a lot of rentals right now. There's a lot of single family homes that have a price point above 300000 So apartments mm -hmm. are something that's needed. And I think that's a conversation that we have to continue having with the community that we need apartments. Apartments are dense in general, but there's reasons that that's beneficial to the city. And I think everyone immediately jumps in, like anything with an apartment is too dense. And we have to sit down and figure out what that exactly means and how we can work with them to have a compromise to where there's a level of comfort for them, but we're still pushing forward housing. And I want to be, be clear, housing on all levels. It can't just be luxury. It can't just be affordable. It has to be a whole spectrum. I just got my tax appraisal on, on my house. 40, 41%, so it's on my mind. 41% for me. I, I'm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I believe when I was listening to um, Denziano came and presented the library and he said that it was about a 4 to 6% real tax mm -hmm. cost. 
So when you look at the value of your house and you apply 4%, it's not it's not cheap by any means. No. <laughs> I have no. neighbors that are uh, on fixed incomes. They're retired. They want to stay here. So looking at opportunities for people that might not want to be in their house, it's a seller's market. How can they sell their house and still live in Bexley? So these are questions we have to ask as a community, how we're going to offer these options. And I think we have to be pro-development the right way. Let me build on that a little bit. So development is one angle of that, because obviously there are some areas that can be developed, but Bexley's landlocked, so there's only so much development opportunity at any given point. Most of our housing stock is single-family housing. So what do you see as options for the ways we can adjust or tweak single-family housing to make it better fit some of those groups of people who are either being pushed out or excluded or you know, who want their kids to remain here? Like, What do you see as some of the possible solutions for that? Well, I think I think you're seeing it from houses like yours, for example, Spencer, that you moved into, where they're building additional rooms on. And I was talking with the BZAP committee member the other day, and I was saying that I really think that we should have some review sessions with architects to be able to talk to residents about options for their house. I have a house that's 1920, I believe, and it's had four additions. So we kind of talk about you can see every family that's lived in that house by the addition they do. So I think as you have a house, you almost look at it as, okay, I have this house in Bexley and I'm going to build onto it if I have the means to do it. Mm-hmm. And then some of them find out that the cost is is not what they imagined and they kind of feel defeated. And I think we should offer them opportunities because we have so many architects. We have a really well-rounded board of zoning and planning. We have the architecture review board having members of those offer counseling sessions, open office hours. So residents can kind of come and have an open dialogue on what they want to do. Instead of right now, I sometimes feel they don't have the means to hire an architect and have a firm that does that for them. It becomes really difficult to do what they would like to do to their house, which is make it their own. Everyone wants to do that. I I notice I've been to a couple of the city council meetings when people are bringing in architecture plans for additions or a, a fence that they want to put up or something like that. And I noticed that nearly every single plan that was submitted, there was some tweak that was given to them before approval. And it seems like that adds in, now go back to the architect, have the plans resubmitted. Like that's a, a barrier, a cost barrier that, and, and these were things like take six inches off the fence or make a, an alley cutout so, you know, for seeing traffic better, which I realize that might be an issue sometimes, but it seemed kind of nitpicky to me. Not that that has anything to do with you on council, just when you're talking about the, the expense and the trouble of getting everything you need to the planning board. And I'll say as most of the issues they bring up have valid concerns and they're looking out for the, for the community. There's some directives they have for being on those boards. There's some mm. architecture uh, framework that we have as a city, which is why I sometimes feel that if you have the opportunity to go one-on-one over the large setting of a of official meeting, you can have more of a positive conversation from that. And I think our, our job as a city is to offer the residents avenues to get that information, to have that conversation and be accessible. So I would like to explore some opportunities to expand the buildings department to be able to offer those one-on-one sessions to the residents. Yeah, I think a lot of people would invite that. I know I've heard from uh, numerous residents that they've had difficulty getting answers back from uh, the building department sometimes. Now, I've had some very good interactions with them, but the, the experience is not universal. I absolutely think that there's, there's avenues to explore to, to open that up. I know that the city 
is extremely busy. It's a tight-knit group, and you want to make sure that you're building in those times for the people to know this is a time to get a hold of you. This is a time to ask questions and to, to have those available and to be accessible when those times come. So I know flooding has been a big issue in Bexley over the last handful of years, partly because we've had record rainfalls, partly because we have houses that are 100 years old and we're near a creek. But nonetheless, like we've been doing sewer remediation, we've been doing backflow prevention. What do we see as other ways to assist with that? Because the flooding is still an issue. The rainfalls are going to continue or, well, they may very well continue. No one can see the future. But what do you see as a way we can address this? It, that's something we haven't already taken on or a way we can improve a way we're taking it on now? That's a good question. Thanks. You're welcome. So I know that the sewer projects were designed to try to alleviate those concerns and be able to flow the water better out into the Allen Creek is where it's, a lot of it flows out to. I think some pumps are really critical. I, I don't know what the means we have to try to create a fixed cost for basement remedies or some type of assistance to get some pumps. I know personally, when we put our first bid on a house in Bexley, we actually lost it because our house in Berwick flooded. We had tree roots that came up and we had geysers. And I remember my wife calling me in tears that the basement was five inches of water all the way across the basement. So we had to remediate $20,000 worth of repairs to get that house back on the market. When basement floods, it's a, it's a it's huge disaster. It's a setback not only financially, you have to deal with the insurance companies. Insurance companies don't always want to cover flooding. And then on top of that, you have to deal with the everyday rigors of life. So finding ways to, to help alleviate that would be something to be beneficial to the city. And I, and I believe they're committed to that. It's just what capacity do we have as a city governance versus what capacity does a residence have to protect themselves against the flooding? I hope what they're doing is working because I had two floods in the first month and a half of COVID and I haven't had anything since. So, Right, knock on wood. That's excellent. So, so yeah, I mean, every street, a lot of them in South Bexley have already had them where the sewers have went in. So I'd like to see some updates from the infrastructure design on, on the progress of that. So it sounds like from your experience that it's, it's working right now. So maybe a continuation of what they're doing and to kind of expand on that and let us know how that project's kind of worked over the last couple of years. That would be nice to know. Let's talk commercial development for a minute. Because one thing, you go down Main Street, you go up Cassidy, you see a lot of empty commercial space where things existed maybe before COVID that got knocked out during COVID or even places that have been vacant for some time that seem like they're available, but we're having trouble finding tenants. Now, I know there's a lot of appetite in Bexley for various different kinds of businesses, and there's a lot of, you know, you ask 20 people, you get 20 different opinions about what we need there. What do you see as a good way of moving forward and improving our ability to fill those commercial spaces? So I think the first thing we got to do is we got to identify developers that want to come and partner with the city, and we have to talk to them and find out the pros and cons of, of coming in. I have friends that are restaurateurs, full disclosure, I work in the food industry, so I work with restaurants, I work with food design and build out of restaurants, and they're an expensive endeavor. Anybody that's in the restaurant industry, and I can speak specifically to that, the margins are really slim, so you really have to pick an area that you believe that you can make a good profit. So I'm curious to see what Bexley can do to, to make that an incentive for people to come. I know that we are trying to develop a commercial gateway area. I think everyone sees Main and Parkview as kind of the first one, especially with this Trinity, the Trinity Apartment Project having a Hudson 29 attached to it, which is Cameron Mitchell Restaurant, upscale. Cameron Mitchell has a pretty good name recognition. So 
building in the commercial district and then trying to have other gateways that are zoned mixed use. I believe the, the uh, Del Mar and Cassidy areas mixed use. There's some talks about trying to expand that commercial segment. But we have to speak to restaurateurs, retail owners, gauge what they're already experiencing in Bexley and build on that. So sitting down with the with the business owners, working with the chamber, finding out what we can do to improve, and then working with the CIC, which we have as our real estate wing, to find out where the city can get involved in and what the city's capacity is to help bring in those commercial and real estate businesses. So if there were one or two more things you just wanted to put in people's ear real quickly, so that when they think Alex Silverman for city council, they think these additional things are going to be important, going to be near the top of the agenda. What would you put out there? So I think one of the big things is being accessible, being able to communicate and wanting to be able to speak to people. I I feel that a lot of people feel that you're unapproachable when you get into those public roles in Bexley. I want to make sure people know that I'm available. I want to talk. I want to hear ideas. I don't like to have a preconceived notion of people. So I want to reach out and meet as many people as possible. And then my desire to be a community builder, to continue working and building networks in the city, bringing people together from all the different areas. I do a festival down in the Schneider Park area that we highlight that area. So highlighting different areas of Bexley, bringing community events all around instead of having them maybe just at one location consistently allows every community in Bexley to feel involved. So continuing building on that would be a high priority. And as DEI representatives here, I hear inclusion uh, in what you're describing there. And I, I love hearing that message. Well, Alex Silverman, thanks for joining us today for unpacking Bexley. And thanks for helping to speak to all of our friends and neighbors in Bexley and telling everyone a little bit more about what you're about and what they could expect if uh, you are elected to city council. Any last thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Thank you for bringing a podcast to Bexley. I really appreciate (laughs) it. That's all for our session with Alex Silverman today. Remember, come to the live forum later on September 19th from 6 to 8 at the Bexley Public Library Auditorium. There is a candidate night being hosted by a number of community groups, including BMPA, Bexley DEI, the South Bexley Neighborhood Association, Bexley Pride, and various community members all working together to host a forum so you can hear from the candidates directly and have your questions answered. Again, September 19th from 6 to 8 at the Bexley Public Library. We hope to see you there and keep in touch with the candidates on their social media and on their web pages. Find out what's going on, talk to your friends and neighbors, and most importantly, don't forget to make your voice heard by voting this November. For everyone who joined us, Alex Silverman, candidate for city council, Kerouac Smith, and our Bexley DEI faithfuls, myself, Spencer Cahoon, and Stacy Grossman, thank you so much. Thank you to the Bexley Public Library for hosting our recording session, and thank you so much, Bexley community members, for listening. Remember, you can listen to us anywhere you get your fine podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you like. And the name of the podcast is... Unpacking Bexley. We'll see you next time.